everybody. Welcome back to the Inland Valley Arts and Literature Show. And we are uh, today currently four poets talking about art. And I think Matt Cedillo is going to join us in a little while. Anyway, my name is John Branningham. I am a poet in the Inland Valley, and I uh, teach at Mount San Antonio College. I am Ken Johnson. Excuse me. I'm Ken <laughs> Johnson, and I'm an artist and writer in living in Upland. And I'll try again. I'm Kate Flannery, and I'm a writer and lawyer in Claremont. And uh, I'm Jim Hatch. I'm a writer and educator living in Ontario. Okay, and so today what we're going to talk about is um, Father Bill as an artist. He, he's having what's called his, his, his... What is the title of the exhibit, Kate? It's called uh, My Last Art Beats. Um, and I think it's... Um, I think it's a title that he came up with. He, he's, uh, in my conversations with him, he explained that he loves plays on words. And so he was kind of tickled about coming up with that title. <laughs> and it's a, it's a good one in terms of um, what his life as an artist has been. Why, why is that? Um, he has been, I think the essence of his art has been this generosity of spirit, this um, amazing ability to just step up to a canvas, produce something wonderful, have no idea what he's going to do when he starts, but he has an absolute sureness about when he's finished with it. He uses found objects, he uses layer upon layer upon layer, so he gets this wonderful depth in his in his paintings. Um, but it's this part of him, this part of his own heart that is very purposefully sharing all of these experiences with uh, the people who look at his paintings and uh, he encourages them to, uh, to touch them, to come up to them and hug them almost, although some of them are quite large and can't. But in terms of the play on words, art beats and heartbeats, it's really the essence of his own heart that comes through in both the way he paints, the way he approaches the canvas, and the way he offers those works to the people who see them. He does it without restriction. He does it without condition. He does it um, without any kind of uh, instructional intention. He just opens it up and says, here it is. And most people will start um, their looking at his paintings, as I did, by, by saying, what is that? Mm. You know, what does it mean? What is it? Um, and when I wrote the introduction to the exhibit catalog, that's where I started because his response to those questions have, uh, has always been, what is it for you? What does it mean to you? And I think that's the, the heart of his work as an artist and, and as a priest as well. You, you bring up uh, the catalog, which uh, you, you wrote the introduction to, and, and I believe some of the, the poems in there. Um, and I, I just want to tell everybody what, what this is. The Sassy Museum is put together some, some really great catalogs that have, um, uh, how, how would you say, they, 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 they're done really well, and it's given a life and it's extended the, the view of Inland Empire art into different places in the world. And his catalog is particularly good. Um, and we're now we're being joined by Matt Sadio. Hey, Matt. How you doing? 
Yeah, Matt, Matt is a is a literary, literary director of the DA, and he, I, I believe you you knew Father um, Father Bill as well. Is that correct? Uh, I've known many fathers. Bill, uh, Father Bill Moore. We're talking about Father Bill Moore's work today, and um, I'm about to show it to you. This is Sassy Chief Sassy's museum. The Sassy is uh, spelled S A S S E. Uh, you go to the Sassy Museum. He's got a lot of really great catalogs. Bill's is fantastic. Um, yeah. And if you go through here, um, the, the, I don't know how to describe in terms of, of words. You can't see this. What what his work is like? Maybe Ken, can can you describe? Can you capture the essence of Father Bill? Yeah, um, I'll give a whirl to it. The two pages that you're showing are a kind of a recent experimental style that he's taken up with. He's always been enamored with texture. And in the paintings that we're looking at, they are uh, landscapes with some large rocks in the foreground, uh, hills in the background that are, that are quite heavily textured. Uh, extending back to higher mountains uh, near the top of the the pictures the the tones that he's using are earth tones and they're muted um, which simply magnifies how intense the the uh, texture is and to understand this painting um, it's called erratics um, that you have to understand what erratics are, both scientifically, but also metaphorically. So I'm gonna kind of throw a soft pitch to Kate here because she's written about these things and is, is the resident expert, not only with this uh, collection, but also his more famous 14 Stations of the Cross book. And so Kate, um, you can do the erratics theme better than I can. Yeah, for for a couple of years now, I've been really intrigued by the um, what some people call deep time, and that's going back into our geological past, um, where uh, maybe there were supercontinents uh, and the tectonic plates were moving around. Um, we had, I don't know how many ice ages come and go. And uh, one of the things that happens in the, that early process is that glaciers, as we all know, sort of come down from an ice flow and then they, um, they, they pick up debris and uh, oftentimes they will, as they melt, deposit things. Erratics are basically these large boulders that are found all over that really don't seem to belong where they are. You can't see a mountain nearby where they roll down. Um, it's possible that they were, um, uh, came out of uplift of a tectonic plate, but the basic idea of these things is that they come from someplace else and they don't quite fit in the landscape where we see them now. And um, the, the, the thing that really struck me about this and made me start thinking about Father Bill and his attitude toward human beings and um, how we ought to be treating each other um, is, is what I wrote. And if, if you'll allow me, I'll read what I wrote here. Um, they might be erratics, 
displaced and carried by glaciers or tumbled by earthquakes or forced out by the uplift of a tectonic plate. Silent sentinels watching what remains, nestled in the soft grass that feeds native white-tailed deer and brown brush rabbits. They do not belong where they are. They are misfits, immigrants from another place, left behind until the next great cataclysm. And, and the thing that struck me about these kinds of um, stones, rocks, boulders, and why I think maybe Father Bill was attracted to them is that sense that um, we can't really make sense of them. Uh, geologists are even now just trying to unravel where things came from. Um, and and uh, these boulders, I don't know where they were, or where they are, but they could have come from um, a thousand miles away. And geologists actually uh, take samples from these things and, and try to figure out what the heck has been happening in the, in the past millions of years to have this sort of thing happen. This is one of these great mysteries, I think, in our world that we just don't really think about, but it's the sort of thing that Father Bill would think about. He would think about mystery he would think about presenting something to us on a canvas that highlights mystery and lets us consider it and lets us think about all of those things that are mysteries in our lives. Um, he's very attuned to that sort of thing as a, as a spiritual person. It's interesting because this, to me, feels like a real departure from, from his work. Uh, mm -hmm. Then with the conversation, it doesn't feel like a departure at all. It's... Uh, I, I, along with other people in this conversation, uh, left, left the Catholic Church years ago uh, because uh, there, there, part of it was there, there was not enough, there was very little talk of spirituality. It's all about the, the, the religion and the rules and very little discussion of spirituality. But Father Bill was all about the, that spirituality. And that, that's, that's what drove him to the point that the one time I talked to him, he said, well, religion doesn't matter all that much. It's the spirituality that, that you, you want to get to. And, um, and when I, I was talking with him uh, about the 14 stations, um, and, and I, I was, um, and, and you'll see this on his website, he has an artist statement, um, and, and he often talks about the other um, or, um, or God, but, but he is perfectly comfortable with somebody talking with him um, about connection to this greater power um, that is out there in the universe, not in traditionally religious um, language. And, and that was one of the things that really um, impressed me when I was talking with him is that he seemed to be so open um, to other ways of looking at things. And um, in, the, in the 14 Stations book that the Sassen Museum uh, put out, uh, his work is paired with the work of another artist named Louisa Jenkins, um, who is, uh, who was, actually she's passed away now, um, she was uh, a, a woman who worked in mosaics. And um, she uh, basically was a very devout Catholic for a while and then left both the Catholic Church and mosaics and, and uh, started working in, in another medium, 
because she had spent some time in a Buddhist monastery and spent about a year there and felt um, a call uh, to that. But uh, in this painting and mosaic that you're showing here, it's from the uh, from the 14 stations catalog at the Sasson Museum put out. Um, and it's really a remarkable pairing of two different kinds of art. Um, the mosaic, which you see on the right, which is very uh, sort of Byzantine and, and, and stark and full of sort of symbols and um, uh, sharp lines. Uh, great use of, of light and shadow. And then Father Bill's on the left, which um, shows one of his recurring patterns that you see in a lot of his art, the, the form of a cross. And yet there's, there's so much more. In, in each of these, you can see a tremendous amount of texture um, that has been built up and built up and the use of, of light and dark. It's just, it's wonderful. It really opens, opens it up for you to see what you want to see, what you can see in each one. It's interesting. And uh, to, to me, it feels as though, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that his, his art and his spirituality are one thing. So that like his, the, the kind of outreach he did to artists and, and other people in Pomona, uh, which is what Matt is doing now, right? He's, he's really helping fuel that, that thing, was just as important to him as his art. And I, I see him coming out of that same tradition. Absolutely. Um, it's a very giving, very generous um, practice. And it, it really, uh, if you just spend a few minutes listening to Father Bill talk, you'll, you'll sense that he's, he's very selfless um, and just wants to, wants to give. Matt, did you ever meet Father Bill? I, I believe I have, but I, I had no idea. I'm looking, I'm looking at him at his website, I'm at the Sassy um, Museum website, and I had no idea um, just how, uh, how much there was there. I'm, 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 I'm for a loss of saying anything intelligent. I'm just kind of like overwhelmed and I'm looking at all this. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's an extraordinary artist and he's, he's kind of doing what you're doing, right? He's, he's taking that art and he's allowing people um, to use it and to develop from it and develop their own voices, which is like you're, 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 you're giving people the three act poem, right? It's, it's a, it's a easy way of getting people into that poetry. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, yeah, um, but no, I mean that, that I mean it's fantastic that he's doing it. I'm, I'm just, like I said, I'm, I, right now I'm, I'm uh, I wish I had something. I wish uh, I was uh, better prepared. I'm, um, yeah, kind of just in awe of this. I'm just looking at at the, the 14 stations he has. I'm looking at just all these different things on the website right now. Just, I, I really love um, some these small abstracts that he does, and this is can is this is this actual size? Uh, the the ones you're looking at are approximately three inches wide by five inches tall, and they're about an inch or so deep. And so they're very three-dimensional, and on top of that, they're highly textured. And on top of that, he's clustered these things, and the, the, um, the piece that you're looking at is like, like, six high and eight wide in in multiple colors and so it looks like a quilt almost and yet there's some similar forms uh there's cruciform uh very prominently in some less prominently in others non-existent in others there are circles 
And sometimes the circles are in spirals and sometimes they're a straight circle and sometimes it's a partial circle. Um, then you have the, they're pretty high contrast. He'll start with a, with putting down a layer of uh, what's called matte gel. It's, it's a thick, almost Crisco substance that he spreads on and sometimes he'll embed objects in this stuff while it's still wet and can accept it. Sometimes he will, will um, you know, kind of press something in and then pull it out so it leaves, leaves gaps and holes. Then he'll go over the, once it's dry, he'll then paint the whole thing over with a heavy coat of black. And that provides us this rich background, which has an, the effect of toning it across all the variations. Then uh, once that's dry, he goes back and he'll, he'll start um, sanding and then painting and then sanding again, leaving rough surfaces. He's real big on the undercoats. So he might have these, these um, kind of a, a pattern of, of surface variation. And then he'll, he'll paint, say, say uh, red iron oxide over it. And then he'll wipe it away, right away before it dries. But that leaves bits of it in the crevices mm. that are there. Uh, hopefully we can talk Kate into walking us over eventually to the a big painting um, that can show how that, that texture is received. Finally, she gets, um, he gets the, the final coats on. And the result is this, this very strong covering that because of the type of paint, he uses Nova color acrylic paint. Because of the, the nature of that stuff, you can touch the thing and then he, he delights in inviting people up to handle them uh, when they're hanging on the wall. Um, he'll, he'll, he'd drive a, a museum curator to distraction mm. by, by inviting children to come up and put their gooey paws all over his paintings. And that's kind of part of what Kate had alluded to of viewing one of his paintings it's 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 not a big jug little mug theory it's it's not like he has all the knowledge and pours it in your head it's like the two of you explore this thing which happened while he was painting and and i remember going into his studios uh 20 years ago and these big things would be on the wall and by then he was specializing in these things that were were four feet wide and, and, and five feet tall, just enormous canvases painted very similarly to these. Um, lots of, of uh, undefined space, some objects embedded that are, that are kind of mysterious as to what they are, shadings and, and values that go all over the map. And you'd stand there with your jaw hanging down and then suddenly you'd realize he's standing next to you. And, and you look at him and, and kind of try and 
try and be say something sensible and and it doesn't work well and he he asks you further and he presses you as to what you're seeing and he is just totally not interested in telling you what his intention was in doing it he won't distract with conversations about techniques or styles he won't tell you where he studied art he won't tell you why he studied art he won't tell you what he gets out of his art he's totally interested in what the experience is for you and so he guides you into it and he he asks you to walk through the painting with your fingers Mm. to, to touch it and to feel it he's he's not a verbal person he's primarily a tactile person and he wants you to explore this particular thing and get what you will out of it. He's not telling you to see God. He's not telling you to come up with an interpretation. He just wants you to get in and see what it does for you. And that's the whole thing. And so he asks you to engage in the spiritual while engaging with his work. If you get spirit out of it, then he figures you're seeing better. But he doesn't want you to out of it. He wants to know what you do get out of it. Hmm. Not what you ought to see. Hmm. I mean, the, the guy is really an open spirit. And you, you know, you just you go along with the ride. This seems to me like uh, very much in the tradition of Claremont and Pomona Arts coming out of Milford Zorns and Carl uh, Benjamin and people like this. Uh, something to this. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if he saw himself in that way or if he studied with those artists or... No, he did not study with those artists. And those artists were kind of in their... In the early days, those guys were mostly non-figurative like, like Bill is. Um, but they were going for a different thing. They were, they were defining themselves in contradistinction from the San Francisco figurative crowd. Mm-hmm. And there was some figurative painting painters down here and but basically they were the Claremont people are kind of a crowd apart and so some of them knew about Bill uh, but they were Claremont people yeah. uh, Tim, Tim did, did you ever did you ever encounter Father Bill no not that I'm aware of anyway I I've spent I don't know how many years hanging out in Claremont with artists um, only to find out later that I hung out. I was hanging out in the same room with Beck, the musician. Apparently Beck and I were at a thousand different parties together and I never knew it. So it's possible that I was hanging out with Father Bill, but I don't believe I was. Um, uh, but I am loving what I'm seeing. I uh, I love the idea of so, I, I mean, when you make something, whether it's a poem or art or whatever, um, it kind of stops being yours the minute you're done with it, the minute you let, allow it to be out into the world. And he's kind of taking that very literally, which I love, yeah. this idea of letting, uh, almost requiring that you touch it, that you have a tactile relationship with the art is uh, mm. a kind of a beautiful thing. I think if he was more verbal, he'd have more to say about them. 
but he just isn't. And the, mm-hmm. the tactile experience and the kinesthetic experience is his language. And so he interacts with you at that level. It's it's sort of extraordinary to me, having grown up Catholic, to to find a priest who's not verbal, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. They very much are that thing, right? They think they're going to talk to you. That's the thing, though. About I mean, it's such a massive organization. I have my wife uh, has one priest and two nuns in the family. They're very Catholic, um, and. Uh, Oh gosh, I, I I don't want to make this a long thing, but uh, yeah, they're very Catholic, and uh, the the priests and nun, the priest and the nuns are not. We call them Uncle Rev and Auntie Nuns. Uh, they're uh, they're not what you would think of when you think of you know people serving God that way. I, which I think of people who are conservative and quiet and sort of you know personally very conservative as well. That's not her aunt at all. It's not her uncle at all. Her uncle tells the worst dad jokes ever. Worse than yours, John. Oh my gosh. And uh, I know. And uh, um, but that's the thing about the organization that I love so much. That, the, which, by the way, I'm not. A, I'm not even a Christian. Um, in that, I don't recognize Christ's divinity. Um, but uh, uh, I really have come to admire despite all of the problems, the Catholic Church, because there's such a huge diversity of people serving God in their own way. Um, it is not... My wife damn near left the church. She's a Catholic, right? And she damn near left the church over the 2008 uh, Proposition 8 thing, mm. where uh, she found out that the money she was giving the church every week when she would go to Mass uh, was uh, used to then contribute to the Yes on 8 uh, campaign to deny same-sex marriage rights to people here in California, and uh, she almost left the church over that. And uh, she talked about it with her uh, uh, one of her aunts, who's a nun, and she, her her aunt was like, "Oh, I'm pissed at the church too." And uh, I, I I guess it's 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 less surprising to me that this father uh, father Bill person would be a Catholic priest only because of these people I've met through my wife and uh, I've hung out at the uh, it's not a monastery what is it convent uh, with anti-nuns with anti's nun I don't know how you, what the plural of that is but uh, I have met artists and photographers and just so many people who love to express their joy uh, and their faith through art and uh, it's really a wonderful day. I don't know. I kind of feel like I got lost in the tangent hole there. John, John wouldn't you say uh, that, that, that Cronin was kind of a man of action, though? Yeah, well, definitely. He was, he was a man of few words, a man. <laughs> man of action. He was, yeah. We, Matt and I both went to Damien High School, and there, there was, they, they're the, the same um, denomination as, there were Sacred Hearts as okay. Um, and you know, a, a lot of what I see in Father Bill's work is sort of the idealization of that Father Damien spirit. Um, but that's an interesting. Do you feel like this is an expression of faith? Then, um, and I, I think that's probably a good question for Kate. Is 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 he trying to express faith through through his art? I I don't think he thinks of it that way. Um, I think the faith that 
he expresses is when he steps up to the canvas. Um, he has no idea what he's going to paint. I mean, he, with the 14 stations, he, he said, I want to paint the 14 stations. And, but then he, he went for it with each of the 14 canvases, but he didn't have a, you know, he didn't do a sketch or a drawing or anything like that. He just decided to go to work. And I think that that's where the fate comes in. And it's that initial step up to the canvas um, and, and going to work and then waiting to see what, what results. And I believe that he thinks that the act of painting um, is an expression of, of that trust in the, the higher power, the God, the other, um, that allows him to do this. But um, I don't think he would uh, say any more than that. I think he really, it is a spiritual experience for him to paint, I think. And um, he's compelled to do it the way he was, I think, compelled to enter the priesthood at some point. Um, it's interesting. It's can, interesting. I, can I make a point, John, yeah, about what Kate just said? I, I think that she's expressed it beautifully. A parallel would be when either of the four of us starts out to do a story, to write a story or a poem or whatever, we start with a blank piece of paper. Now, it may be that that we've got a theme or an image or an idea of where we'd like to go. But once you start, that blank piece of paper helps give you a mind of its own. You're on for the ride just as much as Bill is when he does a painting. That you may have a formula to follow, you may have your own writing rules to do, and stuff like this, but it's an act of faith mm. that, that you can take that blank piece of paper and make something meaningful out of it. That's an act of faith. And in that sense, each of these paintings is an act of faith. Not that he's telling you what to believe in. It's exactly the opposite. He'll stand there and look at the, the one on the left there. He'll look at that when he's finished and say, my God, it worked. And he may not have had a, a shred of idea where he was going with it, but that the thing works together, that it is a meaningful whole, that is a satisfaction of what his intent was. See what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting as I'm talking to you, just and because I'm talking to you, I'm thinking of Viktor Frankl, because I know that you're somebody who studied him for a long time. And he says that that we life never gives us meaning, instead it demands meaning from us. Mm -hmm. And it seems that's, like that's beautiful. Yeah, what he's doing with these paintings too. Yes, he's reacting to this this idea that that the painting is demanding meaning from us. Yeah, there's there's nothing in any of these paintings, texture or shape or shade or or color. There's nothing in it that is Bill telling you that this is how the world is. This mm. is not pictures of the world. They're no. They're not photographs in any way, shape, or form. There are something that happened when he got to playing with this media. Mm. And now we can both sit back and maybe we speculate about what happened. Maybe we think about it. Maybe we draw meanings that, 
out of it for our own lives. But that's that's our business. Mm-hmm. And there's, I think there's, there's no theology here. I think that's one of the reasons why I was drawn to his paintings in the beginning is because I saw a connection between what he did artist and what the rest of us do and try to do as poets and and that mm-hmm. the the meaning somehow that you're trying to convey or bring forth um, is a result of what's in between the words. It's what's in the gaps, in the spaces. Um, and there's so much when we write that we don't say because we're letting the reader or the viewer, in the case of Father Bill's works, um, do the heavy lifting. And really, um, it, it's a wonderful connection that you make, I think, between yourself as a reader and a poet and, and, and the poet who wrote the words you're reading, but also yourself, the viewer of a visual art and the artist who put that piece together. It, it's a wonderful communicative experience, I think, that you can have with a writer and an artist, and it's similar to the communication you can have with a musician, uh, a composer, and you listen to what the composer wrote and you hear it and right. you respond. But, and and there's that communion that that connection. I, th- I think of, of of Matt too. You you're, you've got a very you 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 we work in form, but I'm I'm guessing there, there's that act of faith too. We allow the, the the music to come out of the poetry. Once you've got the form, you're then going to just let it do whatever it's doing. I don't know. Is is that the way you approach writing? Um, for me, particularly, no, um, yes, no. I mean, like I, I always try to have make sure that whatever I'm doing is, is based on a solid foundation. And from after that, that's when the experimentation kind of comes in. And it's that experimentation that makes it not rote. It makes it not predictable. It makes it not just something that you could have liked. Just, you know, it makes it like, um, it keeps it interesting for me and hopefully for an audience. So, but like I always try to make sure I have those, those base foundation, the base, whatever, because you start experimenting like just into, <laughs> into the ether. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, to, to whatever. So obviously clearly, um, um, the, you know, Father Bill here had some, you know, has ideas of what he's doing, where he's going, but also kind of like from there takes off. So it's similar in that way. I think, I think I'm a little more, a little more rooted and, you know, I think I, I think, I, I don't know, I probably don't have as much experience in my medium as he does. So I, I, I hold the tie a little, I think I hold the, I hold the kite a little more tightly, mm. <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think there's a similar approach in the end, in what you described, just um, but, allowing the readers whatever. Because I don't, I, I know, I don't go about the business of explaining what I meant, like ever. Like you know, it's kind of like you should know, or you shouldn't know, or you should look into it, or or, or what do you think? I don't know. You know, it's kind of like, a, but uh, even though what I do is not necessarily, I don't know. I don't know if it's like so so much open to interpretation. I mean, it has there, there's a particular meaning to what I'm doing. Um, I don't, I don't ever explain it. I don't, I don't. You know, I don't give a history lesson based on it. It's kind of like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's so incredibly hard to, as you say, let the, the, the kite loose a little bit. It's, yeah. you know, let the poem do what it's going to do or let the art do what it's going to do. Um, and uh, Ken, I, I, you're, you're both artist and writer and poet. I guess that's three things. Um, and I don't know, are, are, the, are the experiences the same? <sighs> Letting loose. I love your expression, Matt, of letting the kite loose. 
I love that because it's so true for me in the various things I do that you hold on and hold on and hold on and pretty soon you get to the point where you realize, you know, it might have something better to do on its own. Mm. And, and once you let the strings slip just a little bit, God, you feel that power, you know, you feel the power taking off and it gets a mind of its own and it goes. And I really respond to that. Um, that's a beautiful metaphor for, for that creative function. And it's, and this is what I think Bill tries to do. This is what I, what I've seen of each of your writings, what you guys try and do. What I try and do is, is, you know, it's easy to slip into overused metaphors and that kite one's a dangerous one because it gets polyester real quick, you know, the wind beneath my wings and all that, that happy shit, which means that you're just trading, trading somebody else's metaphor for your own experience and watering it accordingly. Um, but what it does do that's right is, is there is something going on that we don't have conscious control of. And it's when we can, can open to that, however well we open to it, um, something happens. Well, I mean, in a real way, you enter dream time, right? And you're going to that place that, that is understandable but unexplainable. Yeah, whatever dream time is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's another metaphor. We don't, there's nothing to put your finger on. You know, you can, you can cut a person's brain in half when they're middle of dream state, freeze it. You won't find a dream in there. You'll (laughs) find excitement and energy of some sort. You know, something's going on, but what it is, is a function more of culturally induced language than it is an experience, a direct experience. Mm-hmm. So like so right now, like I said, this idea, we're talking and I have this idea um, that I'm going to write a poem now called "Hold the Tight Tightly," right? I mean, hold the kite tight, uh, hold the hold the kite tightly, and and what's going to be? See, this is how, how the three act things already like just so drilled into my head. Mm-hmm. It's going to be about a child learning how to hold a kite. Then mm-hmm. it, that's the act one. Act two, he's a grown adult now. He knows he knows how to fly the kite really well, and he can do experiments. And then final act three, he dies and it goes to the kite. Yeah. And so now I'm going to write this whole like life and death cycle. About yeah, but you kite. know, you're used. Yeah, but that's my mind. But my mind like already like sometimes like that's like you asked me about my process, and like I don't even have any lines yet. But, but I already know what's going Yeah, but that's the that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You have that three piece structure in your mind, and it is something that you get on and ride. Yeah. It's not something that narrowly constricts you into a preconceived package. And right. that's kind of like Bill and his messing with paint. Yeah. You know, why didn't he use clay? Well, he found he could do things with paint that he couldn't do with clay. You're right. finding you can do things with that three-phase structure that you can't if you don't. And right. it, but it doesn't predetermine what you're going to do. No. And, and when I read your stuff, Matt, 
I'm going to see something different than you might have conceived when you wrote it. Yeah. I may be going off into three shades of liberation theology. And that may be something entirely different than what you had anticipated. But if you're like Bill, you'll sit there and you'll say, wow, what a trip. I didn't know yeah. that that's what it would say to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and that, that, that's, the, that's the joy of the form, right? Yeah. Uh, as, as, the, as the painting's form gives it structure to, to his, his musings, so does the, the poetic form give structure to ours. And then we can go off and do, do the stuff. Yeah. Well, I would say, the, the thing with the form, though, is that like, this is out of a conversation. And we're talking about this man's art, talking about Father Bill's art. Out of that, you asked me, like, how do I approach it? Out of that... I just kind of like try to find a way of expressing it. And I said something like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not as brave as him to, to, I hold the kite more tightly. Like, I mean, the, like I'm, I'm a little scared to let things like veer off in too many directions. Right. Um, I don't have as much bravery about that. And then I said, well, he's probably doing it longer than I have. So maybe that's why. And then Kendall really liked the phrase, hold the kite tightly or, or, or the metaphor of a, of a kite in art. And then immediately I saw the potential of what does this mean? And I kind of combined what he was saying with it, with what I have my own feelings, which was that, yeah, I feel like Father Bill has um, more um, courage and trust in his, his own kind of process than I do. And that may be just because of the way he is, but in my mind, it was like, well, it's probably because he's been doing it longer. He's been painting longer than I've been writing. And so then like, I'll have more trust in myself at a later time. It's just kind of like you're off. Mm-hmm. But then I combine, but see, I'm not, I'm not, but I'm not trying to get by the me versus Bill or, or, or the difference between the two of us. Um, but in my mind, it combined, I had these like conflicting ideas of what Kendall was saying with my own ideas, what everyone else has been saying. I'm still thinking about those rocks that, what are those called, Kate? Those are not Erat- erratics. Erratics. I'm still thinking about like the, the, why is that rock there and why are we calling them erratics? And so my mind's still like <laughs> that initial thing. And so I'm going off in all these different directions. My mind is firing off and all these things. And I am so honed and trained in this form, this three-act thing that I've been doing for years now, that it gave me immediately a shape yes. to put all these, all these thoughts that are, that, are, that, are, that are parallel, some at odds, some connected, um, some disconnected. Um, while still thinking about the art of Father Bill's and, 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 and the erratics and looking at the 14, 14 stations, um, look now looking at what you have in front of me now, um, or in front of all of us now. And it's just like um, all these like thoughts just like interacting and, and, collapse, and, and, and collapsing into one another and, and, and connecting to one another and crashing against each other. And when you have the form, like you were talking about, John, when you have form, you have something to put that in. So it's not just like, it's, 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 the world is not just the storm. It is also, you know, an understanding of storms or something or, 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 or reading of storms or familiarity with storms because who can understand a storm, right? But like, but a familiarity of what, what a word to call it, you know, like that, that kind of, that kind of thing that, that, that can oftentimes, uh, you know, get help us when we're trying to wrap our mind around something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I love this picture at the end um, yes. of the catalog of Father Bill in, in his studio, and um, 
you can see just his this easel that Ken pointed out to me one time that is so coated it looks like it's like dripped over with candle wax or something but that's just paint um, and it's just been working on this thing for, for forever it looks like um, I don't know uh, so I, I think with him processes everything and uh, spirituality seems to be everything it's interesting too um, uh, that, that he, he leads us in this conversation away from a discussion, direct discussion of his work and more into a discussion of, of how, how, do you, how do you drag the spirit out of, out of form or out of the art? Um, and I, I, Kate, do you think that this is what he would want us to do? Absolutely. I think um, he, he's, he's very much um, respectful of other people's interpretations. And um, I, I, think he, I think he would be delighted um, he, he finds delight in um, some amazing things. The, the, the painting that came just before this, The, the Last Supper, um, the first time I saw that, it was really a wonderful experience. And I thought, oh, God, this is great. I, I know what that is. I didn't even have to look at the, at the caption. Um, but then I, I did this sort of lawyerly thing, and I started you know, saying, okay, there's Christ in the middle, and there's probably John, the beloved apostle, right next to him, and Judas is off on the side and then I, I counted up the rest and we're, we're one apostle short and when um, when I, I talked to Father Bill about this I said you know I, I gotta ask <laughs> where is the where is the last apostle and he and and before I asked him that question I, I had gone through a whole bunch of thinking about it and I thought what the heck you know James is under the table he's had too much wine or or <laughs> something else or, or, and then I thought, no, maybe, maybe what Father Bill intends is, is that, you know, this, this last apostle is really us, you know, we're the ones who should have been there, or we're invited every Sunday to come to the table. I mean, I, I was going off on my own little path. And, and he started to laugh. And he said, Oh, that's wonderful. That's really delightful. Actually, it was just a mistake. <laughs> he said, he just forgot one apostle, but but the point is, I think that that he would take delight, I think, in what anybody could make of his work or his life or his process or um, even his own faith. Whatever we can find in it, whatever we can do to steer a conversation together. Um, and and to communicate with each other he would be delighted i think he's just that's that's his attitude there's so many things out there that have delighted him and i think this would be one of them yeah. wonderful um well this this might be a good good place to end our conversation uh for the day i don't know if, unless anybody has anything to add here um all right well um Glad you all joined me. Uh, I, I love these kinds of conversations that you start off with Father Bill and you go into the, the deeper places of the universe. And uh, I'm glad to share this half hour with you. Thank you, everybody. See you next time. Thank you, John. John, I love so much. Thank you.